0: Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, episode thirty eight, hosted by myself, Nathan English and David Dirks. David Samuel Renee House of the Dragon Sir Kristen Cole beat a man to death for no reason. Dirks. Mm. And yeah, that's what we're gonna be talking about. Spoilers, I guess, for Mom. House of the Dragon, although you already know Bro, that.
1: we're on episode five. You should know that we're gonna spoil yeah. it by now.
0: Yeah. So we're going to be talking House of the Dragon recap in episode five. I think probably both of our favorite episodes, like our favorite episode of the season so far for both of us. And we're going to be talking about what is on streaming right now. There's a ton of shows to watch, some that you should check out, one that's upcoming. And then we're going to be doing a little twist. It's going to be our worst watch of the week, not our best. So stick around. Come on. All right, episode five, House of the Dragon. We are halfway through this first season of this show. Um, About to hit the time jump from what what we've seen. So we say goodbye to the young versions of many of the characters, and we'll be seeing their older versions in the next episode. This last episode, classic Game of Thrones stuff, had a wedding, and bad stuff happened at the wedding. David, how mm-hmm. how did you feel immediately after watching this,
1: bro? We I, I just sat there like it was one of those like sit there for like four or five seconds, and I was just like, what in the heck? Because I was just blown away. Also, like really, if we think about it, not like an incredible amount happened in that scene, mm-hmm. but just the way that the camera work was done, the music and its climaxing there, the the actors' facial expressions, the actions. Of the actors, like, I was just sitting there with so much anxiety and, like, built anticipation of what was going to happen. Because I knew something was going to happen, right? We know this mm-hmm. with Game of Thrones, with the Red Wedding and, um, in, in our past, and the Game of Thrones past, we know, like, all right, something bad's going to happen. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's a royal wedding in Game of Thrones. But man, it was just so well done. Um, and I was just like, my heart was beating. I could feel it, feel it beating. And, uh, yeah. Very good episode, and like you said in the intro, uh, easily episode five has been my number one um, number one episode so far this season.
0: Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it as well. Just for a brief summary for for what we had in this episode, um, Sir Kristen Cole becomes the largest simp uh, in Westeros, essentially. <laughs> um, tries to say to Rhaenyra you know, hey, um, you love me and I love you. Why don't we just abandon this whole being queen stuff and just run away together and eat oranges in Essos? Um, which Rhaenyra pretty politely, in my opinion, actually, declines, um, in part because of the weight of responsibility that she feels knowing about the Song of Ice and Fire um, this kind of prophecy the Targaryen family passes down that eventually predicts the arrival of the Night King. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sir Kristen Cole just then makes bonehead decision after bonehead decision, telling Alicent unprompted about um, his relationship with Rhaenyra and the fact that they slept together, which prompts Alicent to kind of, I guess, turn on Rhaenyra completely and kind of put herself at odds with Rhaenyra and her succession path. And then um, there's this agreement between Rhaenyra and her soon-to-be husband, Lenore Valerian, about like the fact that they will be married, but they will not be, a, quote-unquote, a couple and will have people on the side, essentially, because Lenore is gay um, and clearly does not want to be with a woman. And then Lenore's lover on the down low, essentially Joffrey. Great, great job naming him Joffrey. Um, yeah. Starts to kind of go Kristen Cole at this wedding, Sarah at the pre-wedding ceremony about this and then gets yeah. beaten to death by Kristen yeah. Cole, which we don't even really get to see how it starts. We don't see how the incident starts. We just see people on the dance floor, like kind of, flooding away from what's happening in the center of it and we hear punches we still can't even see who's fighting we see lenore try to throw christian cole off it's uh rainier actually is in danger until uh sir harwin strong also known as breakbones comes in and just beats the crap out of a bunch of nobles to save her which was one of the funniest moments of the entire show it's kind of sick at the at the end, we think, okay, Kristen Cole has now run away, and he's going to kill himself in the godswood. And Alicent runs up on him and stops him. And it seems like he's going to be allowed to live and get away with essentially killing this important person to the soon-to-be king consort. It was, it was pandemonium. Yeah, it was. David, what was your favorite moment of the episode? I think the moment Damon walked in. Because, mm.
1: like, the, the score kind of starts – uh, like your classic heavy like cello score for Game of Thrones, and like you start to see people kind of like what's going on. You hear murmurs, and you know he starts the speech, and then Alicent walks in in all green, which is a sign of a, a start of a war. If I if I heard that right, the
0: color green means yeah for for her house, House High Tower. The color green is like their house color, and whenever. They kind of draw the colors green, it means that they're ready to go to war. So Allison is essentially declaring, like, I'm ready to go to civil war to protect my children's claim for the throne.
1: So that's happening, and I thought Damon and freaking Renier were going to kiss in the middle of everybody. and I mean, that, that, that entire scene, I think, is my favorite episode, which may not be fair because that's just the entire climax of the episode. Yeah, he just. But, just in. but, like, it was just pandemonium just kept building and building and uh yeah i don't dude also when we see his face beaten to death it's kind of nasty kind of nasty to see there's a giant hole
0: in joffrey's head um yeah
1: it's like oh my gosh
0: so that was that was here's the question spoilers for game of thrones for the next 45 seconds so skip 45 seconds ahead if you don't want to hear it did he die in a worse way than joffrey In Game of Thrones, did that – which Joffrey had the worst death? Because he got beaten to death, which was pretty horrendous. But if you remember the poisoning of Joffrey, it wasn't like a, oh, I just fell asleep. He was, like, clawing at his neck and, like, eyes were bulging out. It seemed like his blood vessels were exploding in his face. Who had a worse death? Which Joffrey? I think –
1: I think the more hateable Joffrey definitely did because, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, for most of that, while he was getting beaten, he was alive. But the choking – like the feeling of choking and like suffocating while you're alive, I think is still a worse way to die mm-hmm. than what this this Joffrey experienced. So mm-hmm. they're probably okay. both terrible, but that's I that's what I'm thinking.
0: Game of Thrones Joffrey. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, my f- dude. Well. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say my favorite moment is the conversation that we got between Rhaenyra and Damon. So. At the beginning of this episode, Damon – we open with Damon visiting his wife in the Vale, whom we've never met and never seen. Um, she clearly knows that Damon does not like her. They, they're they not around each other at all, and he kills her. Um, he scares her horse, gets her to – their horse to flip onto its back and crash, crashes into her skull and then smacks her skull into the ground and kills her. Um, that was tough to all, watch. This seems like – a very, and he staged it to look like an accident. And this seems like a very kind of, everybody knows Damon did it, but nobody can prove it. And mm. we don't really know, but he seems to be making a power move here. And then he pulls Rhaenyra aside during the dance at, their, at the feast uh, before the wedding and is talking to her and Valerian like, is this what you want? I could give you more. Essentially like making his marriage proposal directly to her after getting banished from King's Landing for doing that a week ago, but I guess if you have a dragon, nobody can really tell you what to do. Yeah. Um, and her just clap back, and the way that she's handled Damon the whole time, it, even especially I think back to, I think it was episode two, where she um, goes to get that dragon egg from him that he stole. Um, she's mm-hmm. just like, go ahead, do it, kill everybody here, kill my father, kill the Kingsguard, take me back to Dragonstone, make me your wife. Do it. If you want to talk yeah. about it, like, go ahead and do it. Because, yeah. from what I've seen from you, you're afraid to do anything, kind of hinting at the whole brothel scene in episode four. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that was like, that was my favorite moment of sort of tension. You see Viserys kind of rise up as he notices this confrontation goes on. Damon grabs her by the neck. Um, and, like, then you hear the commotion. You're like, oh my God, like, is he actually doing it? Is he actually, like, trying to kill the King's guard to steal Rhaenyra. And then you realize it's for Kristen Cole. I love that misdirect there. I think that was so mm-hmm. well done. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was just the peak climax of the show. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, she just demanded him to show his card. She's like, do it. Take me back right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you, like, I dare you, you know, and he uh he didn't. So that's, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And even, like, trailers, I feel like, I don't, you know, how they want you to kind of think stuff sometimes to, to mm. get you more enthralled in the show. But the trailers even show, from what I've seen, unfortunately, like, there might still be a weird relationship between the two. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do with that, like, if they
0: become more than even what we've seen so far. So I don't know. We'll see. It's clear that Damon cares about her. And that also she seems to be the only one that can stand up to Damon besides Viserys. Mm. Um, she's the, like, anybody else gives that sort of response to Damon like, in anger. He's responding with rage back. But whenever she mm-hmm. challenges him, he kind of sinks every time yeah. from the challenge. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting for their dynamic. Um, because a lot of the time it feels like Damon is the one in control. But whenever, like, push comes to shove, Rhaenyra seems to take back control. Every time. Mm. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Dude, I I was looking on Twitter
1: today. This show right now is averaging 29 million viewers an episode. Mm -hmm. That's insane. It's it's so popular. And to think this is only, like, episode five of season one. Like, if we're comparing Game of Thrones, like, like season two or three might have, like, season eight Game of Thrones implications. Like, if we're already getting this many people, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. like, as far as as far as viewership, so I'm really curious to to see just kind of where this goes, because I think really the first couple episodes, maybe, you didn't have a lot of fans watch it, because they're like, nah, Game of Thrones messed up, I'm not doing that, but now
0: that they're hearing it's success, I think people are checking it out, and I think a lot of people are actually really liking it. Yeah, I think this is what happens when you have built-in, you know, kind of a built-in fan base, and you see you start to make good content, uh, and, and people yeah. will come around to it, especially with a TV show format. It lends itself to that. And I think Rings of Power is experiencing the opposite right now. Um, and the, to go on the other big fantasy show, that's one where a lot of people are dissatisfied with the product. So I think it's losing hype as it's going, whereas House of the Dragon is having the opposite impact. It's, it's gaining mm-hmm. it. It is yeah, it building is. as, as the show keeps going on. We feel like it's getting better and better which is what you want. So yeah, I'm really exactly. enjoying it.
1: Yeah.
0: So I already mentioned it. Might as well dovetail into the next part of our conversation. Um, and that is what to stream right now. Of course, you have House of the Dragon on HBO Max, Rings of Powers on Amazon Prime, as I just previously mentioned. She-Hulk, which we have mentioned a couple of times as well, is also streaming on Disney+. Plus. But I really want to talk about one show, and that is Andor, uh, which is a prequel series. I say prequel, it's set before the events of Star Wars Rogue One, which is set in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So Mm. it it, it takes place before the first ever Star Wars movie, essentially, which is A New Hope. Um, And it's supposed to be about the rebellion and about Andor, this Diego Luna's character from uh, Rogue One and how he works in the rebellion and how it shapes Mm. Supposedly, this is the most adult show, most adult piece of Star Wars media visually that we've ever gotten. Oh, interesting. That's what our users are saying oh. right now. That this is a very like serious, mature look at the Star Wars universe. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't expect that to mean it's you know going to be like rated R and you know one of the bloodiest things we've ever seen, but here's why I'm excited. Here's a couple of reasons why. And David, I don't know if you know a lot about the show, so maybe I'll be breaking news to you as well. First of all, the show runner for this right now, and who is directing episodes, is, is working on writing as well, um, is Tony Gilroy. Do you recognize that name, David? I do. I'm trying to remember yeah. why I know him. So, Tony Gilroy was a a person who wrote um, the – helped write the screenplay for Rogue One. Mm. Let me give you some other things that Tony Gilroy has also written. The Devil's Advocate, pretty good movie. The Bourne Trilogy, very well liked. Michael Clayton. That's it for mm-hmm. me. He likes Michael. He wrote Michael Clayton. This is a guy who deals in, you know, darker, grittier stories, which mm-hmm. makes sense for wh- wh- how this, the era of Star Wars that this is taking place in. And, you know, you return Diego Luna, which I think Andor is one of the better characters that have been created under Disney Star Wars. Um, and this does not seem like a cameo show. This doesn't seem like a show that is going to show us you know, Jedi, and we're not going to get a Tano. We're not going to get Boba Fett. We're not going to get these recognizable characters, and I think that that's fine. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing how the underground side of the rebellion worked. It looks like we're going to get some politics, um, some stuff early on in the Senate. We're going to get Andor being behind Imperial lines. We're going to get Saul Guerrera. I'm just really excited for this. David, I'm telling you all this. How are you feeling about it?
1: Uh, I'm excited mainly just because I feel like any star Wars TV show that's come out has been just entertaining and, and and fun to watch. And I I think this will be the same, um, maybe even in better. I don't know if it'll top Mandalorian season one, but that's hard to top. And if it's even close to that, I think that I think we'll be okay. I, I honestly haven't known much about this. I don't know if it's, it's been on the down low or just because I haven't done, you know, as much research. But, you know, all I knew is that it was kind of connected to Rogue One. But um, it's definitely something I've been talked about. You know, at the Disney Expo, they announced it, like, what, a, a year ago. And you're like, bet, you know, all these mm-hmm. Star Wars shows coming out. And Andor was kind of at the top of that list. But, no, know, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. And based on when we're recording this, let's see, this will come out actually tomorrow. Uh, yeah, by the time you hear it's, this, it's, the, it's the no, first
0: the first three episodes will already be out. They're dropping the first three all at once, um, and they've oh, wow. already they've already slated it for a season two, which is generally a very good sign. Means they really believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this one at 3 a.m. like all Disney show. I believe it. Yes, I believe it will uh, be okay. the annoying 3 a.m. thing. So, which means Let's... I will have to watch. Yeah, it'll be a lot of. It's going to be a lot of TV to watch, but I'm very excited for this. Also, you mentioned Mandalorian. Uh, we got a season three trailer for that. I would encourage people that have, were fans of the first two seasons to go watch that. It looks mm. like we're going to return to Mandalore and have a full-scale war. Let's um, go. Which which seems just like it's going to be entertaining yeah. um, and so exciting. There's Mandalorians and jetpacks everywhere. I, I, I really like... I, I think Disney has done a good job with these non-Jedi properties. Mm. Um, you know, I enjoyed Obi-Wan, but I think that getting away from the story of the Jedi is something that they should do more often. Um Rogue One is the best Disney star Wars movie. And I think this show has the propensity to be the best Disney star Wars show as well. I mean, Mandalorian is something I really love and cherish, but I, I'm very excited for this. So. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's why Mandalorian has been so successful is with like these Jedi it's connected to an already like just high expectation, um like basis. And when they do Mandalorian, it's like it's a new thing. They can do their own thing and it's not compared to anything. With Andor, you're not gonna have Obi Wan Kenobi where people have these expectations of what Obi Wan Kenobi should look like. They they can do it like from scratch to a certain extent. Uh, and, and do right. it how they want to do it. So yeah, I'm I'm super right. pumped for this show.
0: Okay. So that, that was that was what to stream. There's a lot of stuff coming out, as we mentioned, and she Hulk will both be streaming on Disney Plus. Rings of Power is currently streaming on Amazon Prime and House of the Dragon is on HBO Max. So if you're in the mood for a new television show, all of those are in the midst of or will be starting their first season. So you can jump on early. If you're one of those people like me that doesn't like to start a show, if there's already 12 seasons out, because that can be kind of kind of scary, kind of intimidating. So yeah. let's get into our last segment. This is kind of a a switch on what we have been doing originally as part of these episodes. We've been doing best first watch of the week. However, David and I both saw the same movie that we think is the best first watch, and it's a movie that I want people to experience and don't want them to hear a lot about. So if you're a person who likes horror movies in any way, shape, or form, I would highly, highly recommend you, first of all, do not look anything related to this movie up at all. But secondly, go to the theater as soon as possible and watch the movie Barbarian. Yep. Um, do it. It's one of those, it's a theater it. experience. You just got to see it in person. But I, I, both David and I really enjoyed our time with that. It, it's one, probably the best horror movie made this year, or a, at least among that, among that echelon. So go watch that. But do worst it. first watch of the week, David, what do you got? What's the worst movie you saw in the past seven days? Uh, that movie for me is Venom. Let there be carnage. Um,
1: I'll just read you my review. Uh, I said, yeah, I should have just skipped to the end credit scene because it was better and more informal than the, you know, actual movie was. Uh, and for those wondering, the end credit scene is, uh, Tom Hardy is just day chilling on the beach and it appears that he is transported to Tom Holland's Spider-Man's universe. And he didn't see him on the news, um, which is actually really interesting for the future because with this, uh, spell everyone forgot who spider-man was well now we have one that we know of person who knows who spider-man is uh in this universe now so that
0: would be interesting
1: hmm. right is is that is that correct logic
0: i'm not gonna lie to you i have no idea
1: okay. I, I
0: literally have no idea what they're doing that that Venom being included seemed weird, but I think if I'm remembering the no way home and credit scene, right, the point of that was not to say that Venom will now know who Peter Parker is. The point is now the symbiote Venom has been introduced into the MCU because we saw the little black glob of Venom crawling across the bar as Mm -hmm. Eddie was transported back to his original universe. I don't know. I have no idea. This is part of the problem with the Sony things. You have no idea how they actually yeah. tie into things or not. So there's that. But yeah, this, this, this movie was not it
1: for me. I thought it was really cheesy and not very good, especially this opening scene of, wow, of when Naomi Harris and Woody Harrelson's characters are younger. It was just very cheesy and very poorly acted. Not a, not a great way to start this. For me, the only watchable thing about this, which I feel like it was the case for the first movie, uh was Tom Hardy and just the cool looking symbiotes and the and the graphics in that, special effects in that. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: for me, honestly, this was the fourth worst Marvel movie on my ranking, ahead of Thor Dark World, Incredible Hulk, and Morbius. it just really I I really just didn't think it was good. And and finally, I, I love how Sony slaps in association with Marvel, like in the beginning credits like two or three times to try to help its like Case and, you know, oh, it's Marvel. You know, I'll I'll watch this. When in reality, they should just stop making superhero movies and just give Kevin Feige and Marvel complete control to do that. Because I
0: mean, you say that. And I think from a quality standpoint, you would be correct. But this movie was the first movie in the pandemic to make money. Uh, Like make serious, serious money. I mean, I'm looking up the box office right now. I believe it was. Yeah. uh, Five hundred million dollars. It doesn't make sense to me though. It was one of the first. I mean, movies, I guess it does. it was the first return. I mean, it, yeah. it was, this was like the biggest return. And Venom made a 800, over eight hundred million, eight hundred fifty-six million in its initial box office run. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a franchise movie. I, I like this movie more than you. I, I don't. I don't. Wouldn't go as far as to say I liked it. Well, actually, it would. I liked it. I didn't think it was good, mm-hmm. but I had a good time. I. Mm-hmm. I I think what you're pointing – it was unhinged at points. The Woody Harrelson, Naomi Harris love romance thing didn't really work for me. What did work was Michelle Williams. Um, mm. They need to give her her own movie. She should be a – They kind of hinted at something um, like that though yeah. in this movie a little bit. I really yeah. think she should. She was fantastic. I, I thought she was great. I thought Tom Hardy, as always, was entertaining. I thought this was a kind of a dumb, entertaining superhero movie. Um, mm. And I – aside from all the end credit stuff, I liked that it didn't really have a lot of multiversal stakes. I didn't Mm. feel like, like there wasn't a huge thing. It's just like, this is bad guy. This bad guy, red (laughs) evil red guy with scary name. Kill him. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just really enjoyed that. You you have,
1: you have the first and second movie, the same rating. Do you like the first one more still? Ah, or do you like the second one more than the first? I
0: think I like the first one more. But it's not like a huge distance. I think they're both fun, kind of ridiculous movies. Um, Also, this movie was directed by Andy Serkis, a person that I have a soft spot for because of his mocap work in Lord of the Rings and the Planet of the Apes trilogy. So I don't know. I I enjoyed it, but I, I can understand why you did not.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. What's your what's your what's your movie? Um okay, so I'm a I'm a sucker for rom coms. Um I like them. Uh, I they're they're again one of those stories that's it should be pretty easy to tell. They have a formula, it's familiar, but you're not gonna get surprised. If the actors are charming, it, it normally goes pretty well. Um and the, you don't have to worry about like sequels. They don't make sequels to rom coms. They get together in the end and that's the end of the movie. Um so I fired up Netflix and they were like, because you liked or because you watched this movie, let's recommend some others. And they're like, because you watched Harry when Harry met Sally, let's recommend. He's just not that into you. Okay, well, when Harry met Sally is one of the best rom-coms of all time, and mm-hmm. this would be uh, a generally considered a movie. It sucked. Um, this is one of those all-star cast kind of. I don't. I don't know what you want to call it. Anthology. Whatever stories where, like, each story intersects with each other, kind of like the movie Valentine's Day um, or New Year's Eve, where it's, like, following this one group of people that keep intersecting with each other. Um, It stars – I'm going to just list you this cast. Yeah, I'm surprised with how loaded this cast is. Scarlett Johansson, Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Aniston, Bradley Cooper, Ben Affleck, Drew Barrymore, Chris Christopherson, for Goodwin, and Justin Long are all – in this movie, for some reason, Drew Barrymore gets, like, eight minutes of screen time. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, arguably one of the three most important rom-com actresses in history, is, like, kind of shoved as a side story in this. This movie is just – it was not funny. It was deeply misogynistic. Um, like, following up on all the worst tropes about portraying women in rom-coms, essentially saying they're, like, shrill and – um men are just conceited and that women can't pick up on basic social cues and they're neurotic and they constantly need men's affection to make them feel valuable. And it was just most of the time I was watching this, I absolutely hated it. And there wasn't near enough comedy to make up for it. I mean, most Mm. of the jokes were like the two thousands humor of like, isn't it funny how sometimes people are gay? No, it's not. Or, uh, let's have a cousin stand up at a rehearsal dinner and make an awkward sex joke about his cousin. No, no, let's not do that. All right. <laughs> um, um, I, and it, you get this whole, like, it all works out for everybody in the end thing, which is a staple of rom-coms, but most of the time you're like, These, this is not a happy ending. Like the, I, I guess the main character of this movie is Jennifer Goodwin's character and she ends up at the end of the movie with Justin Long. Spoiler alert. I'm saving you from having to watch this piece of trash. <laughs> and at the end, you're like, this isn't a sustainable relationship. He treated her like crap. Mm. Like for most of the time, like they're going to break up in two weeks.
1: Most Take a of bachelor the out here. This is
0: so bad. Ben Affleck is mailing it in. Jennifer Aniston has not been in a good movie. Give me a good movie Jennifer Aniston has been in. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe. That might be her, it actually might be her best movie. <laughs> right. Um, Scarlett Johansson's performance is weird. Bradley Cooper is playing just kind of another offshoot of his character from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly didn't do anything in this movie. And again, they slated Drew Barrymore to the sidelines. So mm, it's weird. I don't know what was going on here, but I know I didn't like it. I gave it a two out of five on Letterboxd. The two I felt was generous. Um... I just gross. That movie sucked. It was Nathan, just a bad movie all around.
1: Nathan, what's what's going on with us? I feel like we're very careful and precise with the movies that we watch. And two weeks in a row, we've talked about, man, we just aren't watching that great, great of
0: movies. So what's going on? Well, let's 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 just go through the list of of. So I I agree with you. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I think that I'm just trying. I'm, I'm not looking into movies as much whenever I'm picking them. Like, if I'm sitting down on my couch at eight o'clock on a weeknight, I'm just like, okay, let me just, let's just pick one. I'll just pick a movie mm. and watch it. Like yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time looking. So maybe that's making me pick worse movies. I mean, mine haven't been terrible. I watched three Scream sequels. I've seen Barbarian recently. I watched that's Mad sure. Max Fury Road for the third time this year. Um, no shame in my game. That movie's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do Revenge was a Netflix movie that was not very good, but was kind of entertaining, but yeah, He's Just Not That Into You was bad, The Bling Ring was bad No Strings Attached was bad, Domino was bad, and then Morbius was just plain awful so I don't know, Mm -hmm. maybe I gotta gotta get better at vetting, but I think I'm just like seeing a movie I recognize or like oh, I know some other people that I am friends with have watched this, let me just watch this, and that's not really Mm -hmm. getting me anywhere right now
1: yeah well, I also think it could be said too that we're watching so many movies that
0: we're just bound to like not watch. that yeah. like we're bound to watch like a bad one every once in a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, so. it's for sure, it's for sure equaling out. If you, I mean, if you look at my letterbox, I, it's not like I have an inordinate amount of one and two star films. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. the majority of the time I'm watching a movie that I rate three stars or above. Um, mm. But you know, sometimes you can just get in a cold streak sometimes say, hey, but yeah, worst
1: watches of the week. We we might might do this next week and depending on how good of movies we watch this week, yeah, we'll depend on if we not. do a, if we do a best watch of the week again, but uh, I don't know, we'll keep, we'll keep you on your toes. So uh, yeah, this has been episode 38 of what do you want to watch? We've uh, hit a little bit of the house of the dragon and some shows for you guys to watch. If you're just longing um, to watch shows, even though footballs just started. So that maybe just seems like a, Something that you won't do, but that's okay. Now you have options. And then of there's course no football on Tuesdays
0: and Fridays, or Wednesdays. Yeah, that's, well, that's fair. Sometimes there's a little maction on Wednesdays. Sometimes they play some backs. College football, Facts. <laughs> But then yeah, that's that's true. So all right, all right, all right. And then of course our worst watch of the
1: week. Uh, we just honestly we helped you uh, avoid. Watching yeah, movies. Um, you could so watch there you Venom there
0: be carnage, if you really want to. Do not watch. He's just that. Oh, by the way, that movie was two hours and ten minutes. Rom com should not be over two hours long. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yikes. No reason. Yeah. Hey, Venom
1: was only 97 minutes, so really, it's not that long there to watch. It was nice. There you go. So. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But uh, hey, what do you want to watch? You've been listening to it. We've been talking about it. Uh, Nathan and David, sign off. See you later.
0: Bye.